Not long ago, in a far-off corner of a place called the Internet, a revolution was born. Forged in the fires of common experience, the survivors of a mysterious movie known only as A Talking Cat came together. Their purpose, to dissect this fascinating failure of a film and broadcast their findings through the cosmos in hopes that future generations might learn from their mistakes. Some would call them heroes, others would call them mad, but despite the grueling road ahead of them, the group would take up this Sisyphean task and become a talking cast? Are they adventurers, sinner as a savior's or Are they demented, love the punishments, I can't be sure But one thing I do know is that the mission here to force To make your life so hard that you'll be pissing on your kitchen floor Hello everybody, and welcome back to A Talking Cast The A Talking Cat podcast that nobody ever asked for But we're bringing it to you anyway I am your host, Dylan Reed Miller And joining me today is our producer, Darren Hey Darren Hello Dylan Welcome, welcome Thanks for having me we're super glad to have you recording episodes now because you've been doing so much work behind the scenes. Yes. We all really appreciate it. Uh, thank you very much. Well, yeah, I mean, obviously, being a producer, I had the advantage that I could pick which minutes I got. Yeah. So from the beginning, I'd always wanted to kind of save myself the minutes near the middle of the film, uh, if mm. only because then it would give me time to prepare for being a guest. Uh, and also it lead me to focus on editing stuff. I think this the next episode is the actual middle of the film. In oh. terms of the runtime, um, but I have I have a feeling because of the seven minutes of credits at the end and, and <laughs> three minutes of credits at the beginning, we are way past the middle of the actual like body of the film. The story part. Yeah, the 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 part with all the the acting in inverted commas. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That, so. Uh, story yeah. should be in them too. So. Yeah. So we're so we're sort of in the middle of of the action here. Yeah, uh, well, this, um, this, minute. this minute, for those of you following along at home, uh, is minute 4101 to minute 42, since this is episode 42. And our minute begins uh, with Chris and Phil talking to each other about uh, going on a walk because Phil has just returned from his walk down to the poorhouse. Yes. Uh, Looking a mess, a total mess, mm-hmm. which Chris commented on by saying, have you been to Mordor? Have you been to Mordor? Yep. Yeah. Uh, which is, I, we're actually, um, along with that minute and the Humphrey Bogart conversation a couple of minutes, <laughs> a couple of minutes previous to this, uh, which was my debut episode, we're really in the thick of the pop culture references. Yeah. Um, you know, we've just, we've had Humphrey Bogart, then we've had Mordor, and we're about to get into, I, I guess you could call it pop culture. Uh, but it's a, it's a super, super old reference. But first of all, Phil is like, I'm going to go take a shower. Uh, maybe we can get some Chinese later on, to which Chris, his indifference shines through as he's like, okay. Yeah. And then we spend... Uh, I th- I think about twenty seconds just watching Phil <laughs> walk off into the distance. Yeah, I oh, I love how many really long shots of nothing there are in this movie. Yeah, just like yeah, let's just follow the characters' movement. Why not? Just do it. Yeah, there's like there's no shortcutting of anything. 
It's like, yeah. did that person drive somewhere? Yes. Well, then let's show them driving. <laughs> did that person go out to the pool? Yes. Well, let's show them going out to the pool then. Did that person walk from their bedroom to the other bedroom? Yes. Well, then let's follow them for <laughs> let's follow them for twenty seconds with a steady cam. It's it's like there is there is never any point in this film where someone's like, Do you know, I think we could just show them going into a room, and we know that they've gone. We don't have to follow, but no. No, they follow. That's why I'm thinking Dakota had way too much influence over the editing process. Because yeah. typically what you want to do is let your editor work and cut out all of those moments. Yes. Because they are not attached to the footage. Well, usually it's like a character walks off screen for a couple of seconds just to give yourself something to cut off. Mm -hmm. But it seems like with this, they're like, no, no, leave that stuff in. That's gold. That's yeah. everyone, everyone wants to see Johnny Whitaker... Um, from behind? I don't know. I mean, like, I, I'm not sure that's ever a goal of anybody watching a film. It's like, oh, I wonder no. what it would look like to watch Johnny Whittaker walk over there. <laughs> um, I mean, I don't know. I, obviously, uh, I don't know if that's like a fetish, like watching no. people walk somewhere. It probably is because everything, everything is. Everything is. Yeah, everything is. But it just seems weird that, I mean, we've seen Chris and his his wonderful staircase work going oh, yeah. up and down stairs up and down stairs he knows stairs. how to work it oh if if you give him like 20 steps he will he will make each one count more than the last <laughs> he's he's not he's not going to let a step go to waste and Johnny Whitaker here he's like yeah i'm walking i'm walking i i i assume most of the actors were just like you know i'll walk over there and they'll just cut and i don't yeah. have to put any effort in but no <laughs> off he goes um i feel like that is like a kind of like an ongoing thing in really bad movies because like it's in this one and in birdemic isn't there like just so much of just the car driving for no reason i do, do you know i haven't seen birdemic so i wouldn't mm -hmm. be able to speak to that i didn't make it all the way through it didn't no, engage it's not me the that way good. the room did but no like... we get phil walking away and then we mm -hmm. cut to you know the raison d'etre of this film uh <laughs> which is an establishing shot uh -huh. uh, and the funny thing is, of course, is we're we're not we're not moving anywhere. We're just going. Yep. We're just going from. It's just a time jump, a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah. Because I I guess because rather like last time when Franny came over, and I think this is the return of Franny. It is since yeah. since that last time. So it's been about thirty minutes since we've seen Franny. Um, this is her grand. Oh, she's my favorite character. <laughs> yeah, but this this is and she's in she's in the least amount of the film. Um. And this is her grand return. Uh, and last time we saw her knock on the door and she came in, she asked if the place smelled like, was that burnt waffles? You know, she had a whole like entrance. And this time, while we watch Phil walk away super slow, we don't get to see Franny arrive. So we, yeah. we kind of cut to some to the pool. Um, this is my favorite establishing shot of all the establishing shots because there's that really great statue of the baby peeing in the pool. Oh, yeah. Like, I don't know what happened to her last time. Chris just ran off and left her in the house with Phil. Yeah. So... He just left her there. She yeah. probably went for a swim. Like, whatever. Yeah. yeah. Which, of course, that seems like... I mean, now I, I, the yeah. meat of this scene, I think, is this is this next bit where we, we get to the dining room. Yes. After my favorite establishing shot. Um, and we're, we're at the table. Being British, I think there's a feeling that all of us, we all know Shakespeare. Because uh, it, it is taught in schools. And there's always, every couple of years, there's always a thing where people are like, let's stop teaching Shakespeare. It's not relevant. And someone protests. 
and they're like, okay, I guess we've got to keep teaching Shakespeare because <laughs> uh, because we're Britain, and that's where he came from. And um, yeah. by pure coincidence, there are very few Shakespeare plays that I've actually studied in depth, but one of them was mm-hmm. Hamlet. Um, so I feel that in this minute, I can offer some expertise on, you know, when Chris asks the question, so Hamlet is a story about what? I feel like mm-hmm. I'm qualified to answer, and I can tell you it is not about a guy who likes ham. I studied Hamlet as well, 11th or 12th grade, I think. Yeah. Um, I studied a little bit of Shakespeare. We don't have the same fanaticism about it, I guess, but it was definitely something that we did in language arts classes. Yeah. Or English classes, or whatever you want to call them. Um, I did a Midsummer's Night Dream. So did I. I played Puck. Yeah. I was a See, now, he, now here's the thing. When people put Shakespeare into a film, they generally do it to kind of copy what Shakespeare himself did. So in Hamlet, obviously there's the play to try and figure out if the king killed his brother. And that's a big thing. Mm-hmm. People always do that kind of thing. You'll see films where people will put on a production of Hamlet and maybe they've killed someone and the production of Hamlet is a way to figure out. So, like, there's always a, there's always a kind of... People using Shakespeare as a commentary. Star Trek always loves going to going to... If it's got nothing else to do, oh. they, they'll throw in some Shakespeare. You know, there's like six different... Trek, there's like six you. different Shakespeare references in every episode of mm-hmm. Star Trek. You know, <laughs> there's a, in Star Trek 6, that one captain just keeps screaming Shakespeare lines... Um, of course, there's a there's a, there's a side where they say that he was the greatest Klingon sh- like playwright, you know. Like Hamlet has nothing to do with a talking cat, and I feel you've already mentioned Midsummer's Night Dream, and I feel if they'd have been discussing Midsummer's Night Dream, they could have talked about Puck, and we could have seen that Duffy is like Puck. Oh my God, that'd be amazing. And that would see that's that's how you use Shakespeare. As you go, oh, like, you could talk about Puck, you could talk about him, like, trying to influence people, trying to get people who don't love each other to fall in love, like, you know, the whole, you know, uh, the the kind of the weird four-way thing that goes on with the, the four kids that go into the woods there, you know, like, the, with, with Hermia and, and Lysander and Demetrius and all that kind of stuff, like, you could have used that as a commentary within a talking cat, Obviously, it would have gone over the heads of the kids, but I'm not sure the he- that kids are that excited about, you know, um, CodeMonkeyTimes.com. Yeah. Um, so, like, there's a lot of stuff in this, like, running a small business, figuring out what you to do in your retirement. Those aren't themes in a kid's yeah. film. But, so, why not, if you're going to throw oh. some Shakespeare in, why not throw in some Shakespeare that feels relevant and would comment on the film and would say... Uh, Duffy's a kind of puckish character. He keeps walking into situations and suggesting, you know, take a walk in the woods. That kind of, you know, could be a Shakespearean line because it, it's not saying anything directly. It's just like, you know, why don't you try doing this? It's like nudging people to do stuff. But instead, they're like, Hamlet is about a guy who likes ham. Like, and it feels like a wasted opportunity. Like, if you're going to... I knew people did that with Shakespeare. Like, I'm fairly well aware of it. But I never, like, thought about it in context of this movie, because that's not, like, smart enough. But that's, like, (laughs) this movie's not smart enough. No, no. That's so cool, though. I didn't think about that at all. Um, Yeah, but with this, it's like Hamlet, which is about revenge and indecision, and has, you know, um, with Polonius, 
you know, being like a fool who doesn't know what he's talking about most of the time. And, you know, like, there's lots of stuff in Hamlet that's interesting, but that has nothing to do with the talking cat. Either the film or the concept of a cat who talks. But, you know, I feel like there is at least three or four other Shakespeare plays, Midsummer's Night Dream being, like, the most obvious, that would actually be interesting and that you could have Chris and Franny discussing and there would be a subtext instead. (laughs) Hamlet is a play about a guy who likes ham. Yeah, and then Chris is like, two out of three is not bad, but there's a little more to it than that. Like, uh, okay, he's a guy and his name is Hale. Whatever. Yeah. Oh god. And then and and the and of course now we we sort of in this scene we get a little bit of the the kind of subtext where Chris is like, you seem to know more yesterday, yeah. Yeah. which is like, okay, Franny, you're not, you know, you pretend. I think she is definitely. We all know uh, the next line reveals why she's really there. Can I swim in your you pool? Know. Yeah. Do you think we should go swimming, please? It's hot. Let's go swimming. <laughs> yeah. I also love her like, outfit right now. Yeah. I just kind of love Franny. Like, I don't know. She's, yeah. She's pretty great. Do you know, I... And she knows how to manipulate well, Chris to get what she wants. So I respect <laughs> that. Respect, girl. Respect. Yeah. Which, although saying that, it's not hard to manipulate Chris. Oh, that's unless true. Unless you're Phil, yeah. you know, and he can't even manipulate his own son. I have, I have, a, I have a theory that the the article on CodeMonkeyTimes.com, where he's like, uh, I'm I'm retiring and I want to spend more time with my son. I ho- I think he was hoping that Chris would read, like that Chris is like a oh, subscriber yeah. to CodeMonkeyTimes.com, and he knew that, and he was like, when I retire, I only need to give one interview to one website and my son will see that website and finally he will realize that I love him and I just want to spend more time with him and instead Chris is just like oh dad really get away from me like at every opportunity (laughs) he's like oh he's like I've had an he's like every time he walks in a room Chris is like what are you doing you know what's going on with your life that you feel the need to hang around me in this gigantic house and more more to the more to the fact like at this point like obviously we've seen all the interaction earlier with chris and phil if i'm chris i mean i'd be getting super frustrated because you've got a girl here who who's clearly just using you for your pool and you've got a father who yeah. seems to be a complete idiot um <laughs> should have gone to business college <laughs> yes yeah <laughs> that's infamous business college uh Oh, I will take any excuse to say the words business college because it makes me laugh so hard. The, the the BC Wildcats, I believe, is their team. You know, go wild, yeah. go Wildcats. Um. What team, Wildcats? <laughs> and then unwittingly, Franny, she's she's playing on Chris's one fear that I don't I don't think she. I mean, she's obviously not paying attention to Chris other than making sure he gets her homework done. Uh, and playing dumb uh, and manipulating him. So she's, you know, Chris is like, I don't think we should go swimming, you know. And he's like, I mean, you can go swimming, it's fine. So already it's worked because Franny's plan has already come to fruition because he's just like, yeah, go swimming. Don't worry about me. And then she says, don't you want to swim with me? And if you're someone who can't swim, you know, that seems like a a kind of a a taunt, doesn't it? She's like... You know, don't you want to swim with me? Like she's trying to. Want to come swimming? Yeah, like she's trying to get at something, and then we get that. Literally, the last line we get is what I like to think of as the dumbest line in this minute, where Chris is like, "Yeah, I'd love to, but I just don't think we should break client tutor privileges." (laughs) 
and yep all those sweet sweet girls. yeah and i'm like um oh, like what like i mean oh, do you... it's it seems to me like he's been watching way too much law and order if he thinks that yeah. there's some kind of uh, there is no privilege so it's just the weakest excuse to not go swimming um yeah. i mean if i was chris if i was chris and i couldn't swim and someone said you want to go swimming i go oh i'm sorry i can't swim that seems like the obvious tack to take but all right well here's something that um ties in maybe to something we were talking about earlier in hamlet doesn't ophelia drown as she does you're right i mean on purpose but like yeah i mean actually i mean um as a number of my essays written at the time came out with i i think you can dispute whether or not you can interpret it as uh, she deliberately killed herself or mm-hmm. she was just doing a cry for help and then she accidentally killed herself sure. yeah so it can be it can be interpreted either way but it's weird that yeah like you know they've been talking about hamlet um and now she's like come swim with me i yeah. you know so maybe she's got a death wish maybe she's she wants to try and drown chris or something uh and have his <laughs> have his have his body be found with a load of flowers floating around it uh, yeah. in a poetic manner. Well, Ophelia's story is kind of about, like, I don't know, like, choosing between the people in her life, kind of? Or, and, like, being manipulated by Hamlet to an extent? Like, he's kind of, he leads her on and, like, stuff like that? Yeah. So, you know, I don't think it's impossible. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he, I mean, he... No, I'm reading too much into this, but No, it's no, it's okay, because I, I think you're right in that, um, in Hamlet... Uh, like Hamlet uses Ophelia to convince everyone else in the court that he's going mad uh, when he might yeah. not be going mad although because he's so convincing he might actually be going mad yeah. <laughs> so it's kind of like a fine line of, of layers something that obviously a talking cat never has there's never any layers it's mm-hmm. just all on the surface um, but I, it's just weird that Chris just doesn't say oh I can't swim um, yeah. I've never like I've never I've never known I've never known people who can't swim be afraid to tell people they can't swim yeah it's like yeah. it's not like anything that anyone keeps a secret i've been a swimmer my whole life so it's never been like a issue for me but everyone i've met has just been like oh i can't swim that's cool that you're a swimmer i'm like oh cool but the way that during this entire film chris seems to be so ashamed of this one thing that he can't do um when he also can't feel empathy for other human beings so <laughs> You know, which is also a skill that he he didn't learn at a young age. Um, I would, if I was him, I would be more ashamed of that than not being able to swim. So yeah, but he's a teenager. Teenagers have no self awareness of that shit. If I was Franny at this point, I'd be like, "Why are you so insistent that we don't go in that pool that is literally like six feet away from here? Like, it seems really." If you're from, if you're looking at it from Franny's point of view, you're like, why is this kid so touchy about going swimming in the pool? Like, and in fact, I would say it's more suspicious for a 17-year-old, and I'm putting that in inverted commas because uh, clearly, uh, I, I, Justin Cohen, I think, is the actor, and he's he's clearly not 17. But it's it this, it seems weirder for a 17-year-old boy to insist that a 17-year-old girl get in the pool and swim. While he doesn't get in yeah, the pool really and swim, creepy. yeah. I would be very creeped out if I was Franny. 
It's like, okay, why do you want to just watch me in the pool? Like, that seems... If I was Franny, obviously she doesn't care because she just wants to swim. She, um, yeah. you know... Plus she knows she could kick his pansy ass. So. Yeah. So it just seemed... It, to me, if I was Chris, I would even... I would just, I would just get, like, get into a bathing suit and sit, like, at the side of the pool with my legs in or something. Dangling legs in? Yeah. Is the whole pool deep? Because if you can stand in the pool, bro, it's not a big deal. Well, that's it. Yeah, you don't need to. You don't need to swim in water. That although you can like drown in an inch of water, or whatever. But still, you don't. You don't need to worry about water that only comes up to your waist. Um, you know, that's that's not a, a proper a fear. But yeah, it, it's 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 even weirder that he's like, yeah, Franny, you you know, you get you get undressed. Go on ahead. Yeah, you get undressed and get in there, and get nice and wet, and I'll just watch you. <laughs> um, although obviously, um, I don't think Justin Cohen could ever get that kind of inflection in his voice. <laughs> He's just like, uh, no, I don't want to go swimming. Um, no. Yeah. So. I am robot Chris. <laughs> yeah. Um, Water will hurt my circuits. <laughs> but um, yeah. So. Uh, well, that's been it for this minute of a talking cast. Uh, thanks again, Darren, for joining me. Thanks for having me. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at TalkingCast, like us on Facebook, or you can subscribe at SoundCloud, Stitcher, or on iTunes. Uh, And we'll see you all in the next minute. Bye. Minute by minute. That's so they'll be diving in to shed some clarity on this hilariously failed attempt. So grab a friend and crack a beer with them and listen in. The Talking Cast is about to begin. was episode 42 of a talking cast your host was dylan reed miller your guest host was me edited by darren husted music by casey trimble voiceover by john kovaleski artwork by josh hollis executive producers sarah cantor and darren husted copyright 2015 all rights reserved This podcast is not affiliated with Rapid Heart Productions. A talking cat is owned by Rapid Heart Productions. No infringement is intended. Rest in peace, Abby Randazzo.